Welcome back to season two. We are so grateful for your continued support and for those new to the podcast. We look forward to sharing our getting dirty and growing strong stories with you. Where the Lotus Grows is an entirely listener-supported show. Supporting us is also designed to support you through keeping the growth flowing and also through rewards like guided meditations, personal affirmations, and extended behind-the-scenes content of our adventures in podcasting. Hop over and visit patreon.com backslash where the lotus grows and become a supporting member of the Creatitarian community. Where the lotus grows. Where the lotus grows. Creatitarians, getting dirty and growing strong. Hi, Vegetarians. Welcome back. Today, Tommy and I are going to talk about staying healthy in times of stress. So, Tommy, I think you and I have really been <laughs> embodying this <laughs> for way too many years now. <laughs> for sure. For sure. It's uh, kind of been par for the course the last couple of years. <laughs> well, I feel like, you know, grad school was kind of stressful. And we might have mm-hmm. maybe had like a year break, even if we had that. And then we went right into caregiving, into pandemic, mm-hmm. uh, my mm-hmm. cancer. And it's like, when do we get to bring our head up above water? Yeah, it really hasn't felt like that's happened. And yeah, you're right. Probably like almost four years. <laughs> yeah, and that's a lot of cortisol bursting through our veins. And I always think, you know, because we've had this big chunk, let's just say at least a half a decade, we've been under additional stress. Um, and we have a pretty big integrative toolbox to support mm-hmm. ourselves. And I always think like, I still don't think I'm hitting the mark as much as I want to and reduce, reducing stress. And I think, what do people do that don't have these toolboxes? Like, what is that doing to their whole person? And I ponder that a lot. Sure. And, you know, I I see it a lot um, outside of, I mean, even, you know, in my, in my own family, you know, some maladaptive behaviors and some poor coping skills and you know, some people think that maybe alcohol or drugs are the answer because they kind of numb the stress or help them unwind, but it really puts more stress on the body. Um, but I also know, f- have friends and family who have really great coping skills and, you know, I'll kind of include us in that, but I have lots of friends who really use exercise, um, running, um, you know, different forms of meditation practices that really seem to, even from my perspective, have a grip on it (laughs) in a way that it's like, oh yeah, we have all of these tools. And I have to remind myself all the time when things get stressful to use them. So you and I have had some events as of late that have been very stressful. Um, what have you been doing as far as coping with stress kind of in a pinch lately? Well, I can give you, I've spent the last two days at the hospital and yesterday uh, I had to go in for a hormone shot. Uh, and while I was in there, the first technician that checks you in, she does your vitals and does a, a little integrative assess, or a little assessment, right? And mm-hmm. we got to talking that you know, she shared her dad had melanoma. I said, oh, my dad had melanoma. And you and I have talked about the fact that my parents' passing, you know, came so close to my cancer and being a small business mm-hmm. owner in the pandemic. I really haven't processed the grief of losing my parents yet. So her and yeah. I are talking about these two things. And I'm also talking to her about this pain that I feel that, you know, my oncologists say they don't they're not expecting it to be cancer. They think it's probably something that happened during surgery, but you know, it feels like the start of my cancer in my breast in hindsight. So if we're having this three pronged conversation of which is stressful, 
And uh, then she slaps on the blood pressure cuff. And my blood pressure was 176 over 83, pretty high. Oh, yeah. And I said, and and I know, like, when it comes down and it doesn't go all the way down and it re-pumps, I know I'm way too high on my blood pressure. And I said, Mm -hmm. oh, my blood pressure's high. I said, but we were talking about stressful stuff. And she's like, yeah, you're right. You know, I'm a good listener. And we were talking about some pretty stressful stuff. And so she takes it off for a minute and she asks a couple of questions. And this is like maybe 30 seconds. And she goes, she's like, I really want to retake that. And she slaps it back on. And then, then I hear her say, oh, it's probably too soon. And so I just closed my eyes and I immediately went into Shatili breath. And, you know, how long does it take to take a blood pressure? 60 seconds of that. So, you know, I'm sitting there doing my Shatili breath. And my uh, numbers on the top had dropped uh, close to 30 points down. And my number on the bottom had dropped five. And she's like, oh, yeah, Mm -hmm. that's much better because that's in a a good range. And I thought, you know, there's a simple mindfulness task that I can do that has a profound effect on my stress level. And my my blood pressure is proof of that. Mm Mm-hmm. So, you know, like right now, you and I are having a lot of emotionally charged conversations in our lives that, you know, you can't avoid having. Mm-hmm. And it's just a reminder to me to how that affects our nervous system, the hormones that are released. You know, you and I have both been talking about belly fat, and we know that that's coming from the cortisol that's coursing through our bodies higher than we would like. Um, in one aspect, you know, I'm embarrassed that I might, I get that charged by proof of my uh, blood pressure, because when I'm having the conversation, I think I'm perfectly rational and calm, but my body's telling me I'm not. <laughs> uh, on the other hand, I'm like proud and grateful that I have that tool to employ and that I can really make a quick turnaround. So that tells mm-hmm. me the, the things that I am getting in, while they might not be the nice chunk of hour that I want to spend, you know, in, in 60 or 90 minutes of bliss, they're coming in like, you know, five and 10 minute uh, increments really do have a profound effect on my body. Oh, I, I absolutely agree. And I think you make a great point. The other thing, though, you know, you, you saying that you feel a little embarrassed that you're that, that your body feels that trigger first of all um i we always have to remember how important it is that we do need to feel our emotions and even if we have a physical reaction that's you know from our our genetics our body makeup probably you know some epigenetic you know ancestral stress in there as well how we respond to things um but also, like, I, it is really important to feel your feelings. And it's okay that your body reacted in that way because you have the ability to bring it down. Do you know what I mean? There are people who don't have that regulation tool, that elevated, um, you know, marker of a stressful experience. We're just talking about stressful things. Or if you think about consuming stressful things, which is almost all of our media right now. We're almost always at a constant elevation and many people, like we both said in the beginning, don't have those tools to bring it down or aren't consciously aware enough to bring it down. And so how it is, you know, as you said, super grateful to have the tools to be able to consciously be aware enough to take that, take that down. Um, Today I had a conversation with a nurse today. Uh, and she's like, oh, you did breathing similar to when I gave mm-hmm. childbirth, when I was having my port connected. So when we were done, uh, her and I had a conversation about grounding. And if yeah. you know some grounding tools, you're not stuck in that hyper arousal. You have the ability to navigate through the big emotion of what's happening and bring yourself back down to more of a homeostasis state. Exactly. Exactly. And that I think is what we want to talk about today when we want to share with our listeners ways to um, mitigate stress and stay healthy or try to maintain some health because it is important that we feel our feelings. It is important if you're mad, if you're angry, if you're sad, that you that you 
take the time to process that. I think a lot of times, like I mentioned before, with maladaptive behaviors, the the uh, desire is to want to stuff those away. And it really is important to deal with them, but how we deal with them so that we can maintain you know, the basic healthy thing. So for example, last week, all last week and the week, uh, half the week prior, my father was in the hospital and he has a brain injury. So he really can't advocate for himself, which meant that I had to also be at the hospital, (laughs) like basically the whole time that he was there to make sure that things went right, to make sure that the right information was given. And that was intense. I just want to say to put it in perspective for our listeners, your dad's short-term memory is about 10 minutes. Mm -hmm. So things need to be retrained, like re-explained to him. Things need to be re-explained. Oh, yeah. I don't know if they know that either. So things have to be re-explained to him. Also, um, his relationship to pain because of his brain injury is very different than ours. So even though he had a lot of symptoms, pain was not one of the symptoms for something that should have been, um, for you or I, very, very painful. So even something as simple as, you know, what is, you know, rate your pain or when the doctors come in and might even say, hey, do you know why you're here? He wasn't even sure why he was there because he didn't feel the pain and his other presenting symptoms weren't something that he was aware of. Um, from the outside. So it was a really unique situation. And I kind of say that with rolling my eyes because my dad's situation is just in general, a very unique situation. And um, I've had him for six years now, very stressful, but also not, not impossible, just really always having to be creative and having to have a workaround. My added stress is I'm the only person who has all of this information, like his second brain. I'm the only person who has this information who can give his medical history because he can't remember any of it post-1996 or sorry, pre, yeah, post after 1996. Um, So like know his history, know his, the medications that he takes knows the symptoms that he's experiencing, knows the tests that were done that brought him into the hospital, knows what the plan is for, you know, diagnosing and the prognosis and how we're going to take care of it, all of those things. And at the same time, I'm also the, you know, the mom in my family and I have clients to see and I have students like group class to teach. And so, having to cancel those things and spend the time bedside with my dad and keep him calm and happy so that he's not agitated because if he gets agitated, then he gets worried. And then that leads to questions. And because of his memory, then that leads to repetitiveness that to be honest, after six years do drive me crazy. So um, it's a whole balance. Plus I have to be an advocate with the doctors. So at a certain point, the doctors couldn't do very much and they just wanted to sit and wait it out and let him sit NPO, which is no food or drink for a week (laughs) in the hospital. And to me, that wasn't something that really worked for us. It wasn't feasible. The best option was to transfer to a hospital who had better equipment and maybe better staff that could take care of what he needed to take care of. Um, more expediently. So this whole process was just crazy and I'm not sleeping well and I'm running back and forth. Our hospital's only 15 minutes away. So I'm running back and forth between our house and um, the hospital because, you know, I'm still, my mom is watching the kids, but my son, both of my kids are homeschooled. So there's still like has to be plans and, you know, there still has to be groceries and still has to be things. So I've got my mom and my aunt helping me at home, trying to take care of things with my dad and, and have things keeping him entertained. What I found was I was, I was lacking sleep and um, I was not moving as much as I move in my day-to-day life. So sitting in those very uncomfortable hospital chairs, um, you know, I had to make a conscious effort to every 
two hours say, okay, I'm going to take a break and I'm going to do a loop. But you know how it is at the hospital. You can't, you don't know when the doctors are going to round and when they're going to come in. So sometimes we'd be sitting there for four hours. I don't want to do yoga on a hospital floor. That doesn't sound cleanly, especially with all the COVID and things that are going on. So I really did have to depend on my breathing. Um, There were periods where I would do a meditation either for memory or there were times that I put my earbuds in and just sat in the little chair cross-legged and, um, you know, listened to an audio guided, just a quick five minute meditation. Um, because it does for anyone who's been hospitalized, I'm sure our audience knows not 20 minutes goes by really (laughs) before somebody's coming in to poke you or ask a question or, um, give medication or, you know, come in for housekeeping. So it's, it's kind of an all day thing. Um, and I had to mitigate the lack of sleep. I tried to do with some deep meditation. I tried to move as much as possible. So in the morning when I'd arrive at the hospital, I would park as far in the lot as seems feasible for me to get in. So I could get some steps in to the hospital Um, And the same thing going out and I would go eat my lunch in my car. So that gives me those extra steps as well. Um, I'm just trying to maintain movement. Um, Spending a lot of time, like I said, quietly breathing. And then when it was all over, Kim, really what I had to do for my body because I was so highly stressed was take a little inventory of what I needed and really get some deep rest and really make it a point to say, you know, I know my husband, you've been doing all of this help, extra things and coordinating extra stuff that are normally not your responsibility, but I need you to do that for two more days so that I can get back in the groove and make sure that I'm getting sleep, which meant no phone before bed, making sure that when I got up in the morning that I stepped outside and got some sunlight into my eyes to kind of reset my clock. Um, and then the the final thing I think that really helped me, hospital food, you would think would be really healthy, but it's not. It's a lot of junk food. Um, <laughs> so I did go out of my way to try to eat my best. I didn't always hit the mark, but if I, I, I think, you know, when your body's under stress, you crave things. For me, I crave salty Um salty snacks like I really want potato chips when I'm stressed and I for me it was like okay recognize it have the little snack size bag of potato chips but also have a salad like trying to balance it out have protein that was the biggest thing making sure that I got uh, sufficient protein while I was there to keep me satiated but also to keep me from crashing from the junk food that I did kind of succumb to (laughs) So thinking about and drinking lots of water, the final thing. So thinking about what I was bringing into my body, what I was practicing to maintain, because there were definitely times when my heart rate was elevated, when I'm sure if you checked my blood pressure, it was right up there. Um, There was times of immense worry. It turned out that, you know, we didn't have so much to worry about. He had some um, stones that he doesn't have a gallbladder anymore, but he had some stones that got into his pancreas. But for a while, we didn't know if it was a stone or a mass. So that was kind of a little bit more stressful. Um, really practicing and settling into, I'm going to do some belly breathing. I'm going to do some counting. I'm going to do some, I did some retention with my breath. Um, and just taking the time. I didn't do anything specific. I didn't do like Nadia Shadona would have probably been helpful, something balancing. Um, but just I did take the time to really breathe. And additionally, I, I have to say, allowing, having support. So you sent me a text more than once that was like, hey, I'm available at 1.15 if you need to vent. And that was really nice because I think in those instances, you don't want to put your stress on others. And especially if you know that others are going through things, 
that you and I have talked about this before. Sometimes even though you're going through something, it can be nice to hold somebody, hold space for somebody else because it keeps you from thinking about your thing. <laughs> well, it also makes you feel normal, like you're not alone in the woods. With, yeah. You know, big things to process. Yeah. So it was really helpful because you, you reached out and then, um, my, one of my clients actually reached out and she's like, Hey, I don't want you to think that all you have is your family. Like I'm here if you need to vent too. And so that was also really helpful. Um, and then my husband, this was another funny thing that I just have to bring up. It doesn't have anything to do with stress, but it is a point that he made that I thought you might think is funny and our listeners might think is funny. After, you know, get hearing me update everyone in the family, like my dad's sisters and, you know, probably talking to you or talking to my client or Emily or, you know, my mom, he's like, well, now I know why women remember everything so well. And I go, oh yeah, why is that? And he goes, because they retell the same details of the same event five times after it happened. <laughs> and I was like, you know, there probably is something to that. Yeah. That, you know, because we're so communicative, we kind of get it off our chest a little bit and that does cement it in your memory a little bit more. Yeah. But yeah, he and women are the kind of joke. who are getting that chain of re- of calling going. Um, yeah. So you're right. I, I remember when my dad passed that was one thing that I, every single thing I had to retell the entire story of my dad's death mm-hmm. for everything I called for to get my mom's finances in order for her. And I thought, oh, I just got so tired of having to explain and, and go through it. Mm-hmm. So you would think that there could be a simpler, more succinct way. And, and probably because <laughs> of me going through that and realizing how stressful that was, I think that's what gave me the courage to share my answer experience on the podcast so I didn't have to reiterate it but continue right you know when you were going through this with your dad we did talk uh, several times and when you know after a week of nothing happening and you, you moved to the other hospital um when you knew you were going to be bringing him home the next day I remember you saying you know I'm, I'm so exhausted I'm have a tub in my shower or in my hotel room. I'm going to go home and take a bath, mm-hmm. get something to I eat did. and relax. And I remember you saying, you know, you can call me later and we can talk more. And I said, I really thought that you needed to be in sensory deprivation just to mm-hmm. have kind of this feeling kind of rejuvenated thing. And I wanted to call you back, but I was just like, no, she needs that because you, <laughs> you don't get that when you're at home and the chaos yeah. of having to go back and forth and then, live out of a hotel at this other hospital because it was so far from your house you know I really wanted you to have that that peace and that quiet to to digest everything that you had just gone through because you know the time you you didn't make it up there one time during the shift change and everything went to hell in a handbasket which really Mm -hmm. signifies um why someone similar to your dad with these cognitive um, issues really needs an advocate and you caught many times where your dad was going to be treated for something that he shouldn't have too when you were there mm-hmm. so it's quite alarming yeah there were many little boo-boos and some of it you know I, I attribute it to you want to talk about stress our healthcare workers um, who have you know gone above and beyond through this whole band- pandemic and endured so much and, you know, just kind of get taken for granted. I completely understand, you know, mistakes get made and, and that kind of thing happens and they're overworked and they're stressed. Um, but yeah, not having someone or not being aware or cognizant in the hospital, like mistakes do happen. And there were several things that I caught um, that while no big deal, like no one was injured and no one was hurt. So for example, um, a, a nurse and a training, a nurse and training, so a student came in and the student was going to check my dad's blood sugar. And I was like, well, he has a blood draw every morning. What's the rationale for checking his blood sugar? Like bedside with a, with a, um, whatchamacallit. Um, and he was like, Oh, for his diabetes. And I'm like, nope. And then the nurse comes over and she's like, nope, nope, that's not him. It's the one in the next bed. And it was just like 
no harm, no foul. My dad would have got a poke in his finger. It's not the worst thing in the world. But also, I was there to prevent a poke in the finger because my dad wouldn't have thought anything of it. He would have said, oh, this must just be another test that you're doing to check my glucose. And the other right. guy who we really do need to know his number wouldn't have had that number. <laughs> it's possible that he wouldn't. It's also possible that the nurse would have caught it when they got over there. But yes, I absolutely agree with you that that person may not have had their glucose checked. And then that could have been an issue for them. So I absolutely agree. Um, but it's also a simple mistake. It was a student. Like I understand. But if, and had my dad been a cognizant of that he may have asked the same question you or i if somebody came in to check our sugar would ask what's the rationale for this because you took blood this morning so you can just do it in a panel like why why are you checking my glucose you know what i mean like it would have made sense um but not for my dad so there were a few little things like that that happened that and then and then just some advocating that i had to do you know, he had a procedure done and then one of the night nurses was like, well, I'll get you some graham crackers and peanut butter. And I'm like, how about we just stick to Jello for 24 hours? <laughs> like this is really, um, you know, could really aggravate things for a guy who doesn't have any symptoms because that was the big thing was they were relying on, they're like, oh, well, he can go to regular, regular diet as he tolerates. And I was like, well, tolerate, you're going to ask his pain level. And he was tolerating his pain before we came in here, um, even though he was like yellow and jaundice and itching out of his skin. <laughs> so, yeah, it was it was a very stressful event. Um, so having you, you as a founding the stressful board. event of the, um, of the hospital workers, I remember you sharing how they had tried to change his bed a couple of times. And they were just called in so many different directions that you ended up having mm-hmm. to change the bed. Uh, and then the other stressful situation, I think, for our care workers is, you know, it took you to problem solve that his IV was leaking medicine on the floor as well. And again, mm-hmm. I think that a nurse that wasn't pulled in so many different directions would have caught that sooner. Um, yeah, so, so it was just you know, saline again. Yeah, it wasn't anything terrible, but it was still like, oh, he should have been getting, you know, fluids. He should have been getting saline. And there was this leak on the floor, and she's like, I'll send housekeeping in to get it, but didn't have the time, or I don't know if the wherewithal was there. I assume. I don't. I don't want to make assumptions. Um, but didn't investigate where the leak was coming from. And I was like, oh, his IV's unhooked and it's just been leaking. <laughs> yeah. So, but it wasn't, it was just saline. I'm not saying that it, it's not important. I'm not saying that it couldn't have been medication, but it was certainly because they were so short staffed and so spread so thin. And there were literally nurses that would do a 12 hour stretch, go home and sleep for eight and come back and do another eight after a 12 and I was like weren't you just here all day yesterday and it was it was very intense to see mm-hmm. and I think that that says something just in general about our healthcare system and they're a group of workers that could also benefit from stress management so as you said I did go back to the hotel and take a bath the bath is one of my ways in which I really do self-care so if I take a bath and I try to, you know, I'll put on music or something, but I won't try, well, I can't say I won't because sometimes I do, but I try not to look at my phone. Like I try to just let all of that go and really just enjoy and go through my five senses while I'm in the water and just try to relax and enjoy a bath. And so the hotel was very nice for that. Um, it was a little noisier throughout because it was the weekend. I, it wasn't as peaceful as I would have liked it to be, but it was certainly nice. There were no children. There was no, there was, you know, my, I didn't have to worry about my dad. What prompted my ability to even do that, Kim, was once he moved to the, the um, fancier hospital, then they offered to have a, a real live person, a sitter, come and sit with my dad and chat with him and keep him company, but also monitor anything that happened so he wouldn't wander or ask questions they could answer the questions for him. So they had a sitter come and sit with him in his room. 
so that I could leave at five o'clock and not come back until 9 a.m. the next morning. And so I had that period of time to relax in the hotel room, take a bath. I, I watched some like trash TV. <laughs> I don't even get, I didn't even get time that whole week to even think about watching TV besides what was on my dad's roommate's television. Um, so, you know, I, I watched something silly. I listened to some music. And then again, I did my meditations and my breathing practices, took a bath. I took a walk around the hotel, had a casino restaurant situation downstairs. So I just put on my mask and just did a lap just to get some steps in, to get moving, to feel like I wasn't still all day. Um, And then I did do some stretching in my room. That was also nice. But I think for our listeners, the important things to ask yourself when you're feeling stressed, the breathing is the easiest thing that you can do, most convenient thing that you can do in any situation is to take some deep breaths, some some shatili breaths, some uh, cleansing, just belly breathing, um, or some alternate nostril breathing, the Nadi Shodhana, um, can be very helpful in any situation. And you can do that like in the moment. <laughs> like you said, you can change your blood pressure, you can change your heart rate in the moment. Um, making sure that you are hydrated and well-fed because nothing adds to stress, like dehydration, malnutrition, (laughs) and poor sleep. And so if you know that you're going to be getting poor sleep, try to eat well. If you know that you're, you know, going to be maybe not be able to eat. So for example, my father being NPO, um, I didn't want to eat in the room with him. Like that seemed rude to eat in front of someone who can't eat or drink anything. So I would have to plan my meals out and then I would have to plan that around when doctors would be coming in. So during those times, really focusing on keeping myself hydrated because at least if I wasn't able to eat, then I was keeping myself hydrated. And, and um, you know, of course, remembering to move. I feel like there are all ways to try and... The time when, uh, you know, Nick and I were in the newly diagnosing my cancer stage and, uh, you know, we would go into various waiting rooms and there would be signs of, you know, some people haven't been able mm-hmm. to eat for a long time. Please don't even like drink coffee or tea in this area, mm-hmm. let alone eat. And, you know, Nick one day was like, well, I'm going to stop by Starbucks and get me stuff, even though you can't. And eat it on yeah, the way there. And I was I like, that. no. <laughs> So the nurse like just stuck out and was like, okay, go get your stuff now because you need to be back here in 45 minutes. Like here's your chance for you to go get nourished <laughs> and do it. You know, when we're, when we hit a high stress time, usually the first things that people want to get rid of is their healthy diet, their sleep schedule, Mm -hmm. and their exercise habits. But really, that's when you need to lean into those more than any. And even though things have kind of become like chaotic and upside down, uh, you want to try to maintain some sort of normal schedule as much as you can. Mm -hmm. Um, Because that ability to maintain that schedule allows the mind to feel like you have some control over the circumstances. And I'll give you an example. One of my clients right now is caring for their 84-year-old mother. And in in the last 10 days, this this person has taken a backslide. So they're managing quite a few things. And their mom's about 45 minutes away from here. But she was Mm -hmm. at her appointment with me yesterday, and she said it was really hard to get here. She says, but if I don't drive back here, to, t- to do my appointment with you twice a week and just stop by my house once before I go back up. She's like, I think I'm not going to have as much patience as I need to. And she's been an yeah. RN her entire life. She just recently retired. So she's a very nurturing, caring person. But she herself mm-hmm. has recognized, I need that two hours and that quiet drive time to and from yeah. because that's what's going to help me stay sane through this. Absolutely. I agree. And the other point is to have that conscious recognition 
of that and to remind yourself even when you feel the guilt of being away because I had I, I completely understand that um, to recognize that is a form of self-care in itself to plan ahead to make sure that you take that time um, or to consciously make the decisions like you said to um, when you should lean into eating healthier, when you should lean into getting sleep or lean into movement in times when you don't want to. Just the conscious effort, Kim, of saying, I am going to park my car far away so that I can take this time to walk in so that I get some sort of something in my day or for your, your client, you know, to have that drive and that time to do something for herself. The conscious effort of planning that, thinking about that and accepting it in and of itself is part of the de-stressing process. So when that, you know, guilt starts to creep in or the desire to binge on something creeps in, you've made that conscious choice and that does make you feel like you have some control. It does make you feel like you have agency over what limited things are happening so that you can take care of yourself. Absolutely. I, I, I 100% concur. I had this conversation the other day with my DC students, my doctor of chiropractic, and we were talking about the fact that a lot of people don't understand what symptoms of stress are. So mm-hmm. I think for our clinicians that you're, you're like, oh no, I got it. You know, everything's going fine. Uh, if you are have disrupted sleep patterns, like maybe you're not getting deep enough in sleep or you're waking up every two to three hours, that's a disrupted sleep pattern. Um, yeah. You know, changing your appetite, like like you had said, you were really conscious not to crave salt or sweet or to, mm-hmm. you know, stuff the emotions down by overeating in food. You know, this is the time when you want to stress perhaps might weaken your immune system. So it's a time to eat healthy so that you can keep your immune system up with that. Um, If you have a change in mood, like maybe you're not as optimistic or you're feeling overwhelmed, you notice that you're a bit of a negative Nancy, that's another shift uh, that might be a trigger for stress. And that inability Mm -hmm. to put um, stress kind of in a long-term picture or um, seeing the bigger picture, right? It's it's when we become very narrow. And that's one thing that you and I do great, I think, in our relationship is you know, we'll have a big hiccup in life and we lean into each other's friendship. And the person that's having the big event has gotten very narrow and thinking. And so the other person begins to mirror back a bigger picture to help broaden that field. And I think that that mm-hmm. is a great way to support um, your friend and just like that short fuse, right? Like everything's just grating, you're irritable, you're angry. Uh, and you and I had talked a little bit about doing some rage work, you know, where you're going through that thing with your dad or um, an mm-hmm. age event uh, for the organ to, to get, get rid of some of that stress. And um, we didn't get an opportunity to do that because things were so chaotic, but it's something that we can still do even in the weeks following to help recover from everything. I, I agree with that, you know, and you, I remember you telling me about doing the rage meditation and it made me think of, so um, for our listeners that don't know, uh, once upon a time, a long, long time ago, then I was a vocalist person in a band. I'm not going to call myself a singer. Um, <laughs> and the music was uh, heavy and intense for the time. And I, I spent a lot of time, you know, screaming or getting things out in a, a physical way with my body that later reading uh, so much about stress and about vagal tone. So singing, screaming, um, doing like some primal sounds, that kind of thing. Uh, banging on things, doing things that you you would think would be associated with rage, but are also associated with, you know, being in a a heavy rock band, (laughs) Um, are uh, things that increase vagal tone. And you're vibrating it up into the uh, pineal gland in the brain. And so it's all good for you. 
And Jessa, my daughter, three-year-old, is at that age where she wants to be very loud. And we have a rule that we are loud outside, but we try to be quiet inside. But one of the fun things that I do with her is when we get in the car and it's just her and I, then I'll say, okay, you can, you can be as loud as you want. And we go back and forth having little screaming and she'll do something really high pitched and I'll do something to match. And we kind of go back and forth. And we've done this probably three or four times now, Kim, and it is very helpful (laughs) to have just that practice in the car or singing at the top of your lungs. If you've ever been in the car by yourself and you've had a rough day and maybe you're even crying while you do it, which is another thing, Kim, crying is great for relieving stress. You're physically letting something out of your body. It is so helpful for stress relief to cry. <laughs> yeah, that's the music uh, and singing thing. Because today, you know, I was really nervous about my and Most of the mm-hmm. time it doesn't go well and I get stressed out about it. And so Nick's in the shower, and I had already got out of the shower, and I'm just staying there, and he hears me say, like, I'm not looking forward to it. So he turns on Alexa to this song that he knows I know the words to. And I immediately started singing and dancing as I'm getting dressed and putting lotion on my body mm-hmm. and stuff, and it just dissipated that. So, I mean, it goes a long way. It really does. Yeah, it's very helpful. Switching up the mood, too, um, with good music and, and things that make you happy. That's one of the other little tips or tricks is we know that we can think about something and change our mood to get sad. We know that we can think about something and our mood changes to get frustrated. Like you said earlier, when you're getting your blood pressure done, this, the reverse is also true. We know things that we can think of that make us happy or we know songs that, that you know put a smile on our face or get us moving. And it's the same kind of thing that, you know, part of the practice of yoga, we did a lot of work with, you know, big S self and little S self. And there's our self that is our emotions. And then there's a self that's our intellect that's kind of above that, that can say, okay, you know, sometimes we can use it maladaptively, but we can also use it adaptively to say, hey, now's the time for I'm feeling sad what am I going to do here? And maybe perhaps, you know, this moment needs a boost. <laughs> Turn on the happy song and change yeah. change the mood. Stress is manageable. It's how we need it, right? Mm-hmm. Because you can have a pretty stressful life and still not have uh, as many bodily disruption as you think because it's it's all how you need it. But it's when we choose to deny that we're stressed or that we're going to do anything about it, that's when it Mm -hmm. builds up in our body and becomes chronic stress. And then it starts to really, um, you know, take havoc on the body, whether that's depression or anxiety or high blood pressure, that irritability that you were just talking about. Um, Mm -hmm. You might have chest pains thinking you're having a heart attack, Um, that deep fatigue, muscle tension reproductive issues, digestive problems, because, uh, you know, if you're not digesting and processing the stress that's in your life, then it's going to get stuck in the stomach and the GI tract and mm-hmm. disruptions there. It, we have to have a way to process it. And, um, you know, healthy things are connection, crying, uh, music and dance, breathing, walking, exercising, getting good sleep even if you mm-hmm. need to journal. So here's how journaling can be, you know, just a plain journal, but I uh, have, I'm very excited to say that I have had um, eight movement sessions in. So I'm back to getting about four hours of exercise in each week. That's wonderful. And I was, uh, we've decided to partner me up with friends um, because I'm so deconditioned from cancer, um, my, my local friends and uh, my husband felt a little better. They, they were afraid that I would kind of go too far or hurt myself or not know what would happen. So I have buddies mm-hmm. now and <laughs> tell, tell everybody to <laughs> safe about it. And so my one friend that's, you know, working out with me on the Pilates and stuff, I had to apologize to her one day this week 
I started a new drug and I was really tense and tight and I was completely self-deprecating on the mat. And I was just like, mm-hmm. I don't remember movement ever being this hard and this really sucks and can't even do a full beginner routine. And I was just in this spiral. And she walked in the next day with this journal that, uh, you know, it, it says the fucking gratitude journal. And uh, it has middle fingers and it says my, my middle, you know, nice. the middle finger salutes you. And it, I love it. it. I know. It's so inside the pages, you know, there's all these like fun things, but it's all about gratitude, but there's some swear words mixed in with it. And it's just what I to kind of like release it. And she veered back to me. She said, what are you always saying to me all these years? You have said you might have processed it cognitively, but now we're getting into the deep tissues and the deep tissues have emotions. And now that's what's coming Mm -hmm. out. And she's like, I'm a big girl. It's okay if you have diarrhea of the mouth and all that stuff has to come out through the mouth. It's all right. I love that. I love that uh, for you. I met a friend yesterday after my hospital appointment and we decided to meet for tea. I mean, she's going through some medical things as well. And um, at one location, you couldn't sit inside anymore. Another location was closed. So I had to go to yet another location. And I walked there. And I was so happy because I was like, oh, my gosh. Like, I just walked like 10 yeah. blocks in Ann Arbor, which is hilly. And I was okay. My friend mm-hmm. isn't at that point right now. She had to relocate her car to do that. But we sat over tea and we just talked about you know, being in our 50s and what it was like to have our husbands caregive for us and the hard conversations that we've had to have about end of life and wishes, not thinking that this would be the time for us to have it. And, you know, how our family may or may not be supporting us, how we need and how other people are. It was really heartfelt conversation that involved some tears and some laughter and we each had tips that we had discovered to help each other. She also she has a different disease condition, but also a genetic mutation. And, you know, it was just nice to have that connection. And it really released a lot of stress for us to be able to have honest, blunt conversation without someone giving us toxic positivity or, or us mm-hmm. having to feel bad, like we might be bringing that person down. And so I, I think that connection really helps us handle it all. I agree. I absolutely agree. I think connection is um, one of the bigger pieces that, you know, especially over the last couple of years and pandemic and all of those things, um, there's really been a light shined on that. I, I did want to ask you, Kim, do you think, because I've noticed this, I want to ask if you've noticed it, there is a shift in greater society I feel it in the idea of um it's no longer cool or no longer a badge of honor to work yourself to the bone or to you know not sleep in order to get the job done like I really think culturally we're shifting into valuing rest valuing relationships and connection with people um And I do think that we're coming out of a past where, you know what I mean, rise and grind was the mantra. And we're really moving towards something that's like, hey, maybe that wasn't quite so healthy. (laughs) What do you think about that? You know, I agree with you that it's not healthy. And I think the younger generation, and by that I mean the generation that's like 2021-ish, um, I don't know what they're called, but I, I feel like they are definitely Gen looking Gen Z. I feel like Gen Z is definitely looking for that work-life balance. In my comments, mm-hmm. I haven't seen that yet. I see them wanting okay. to not be stressed, but the trauma of the pandemic is coming out, whether that's fear for themselves or mm. the trauma that perhaps children have lived by not being able to go to school. And so that the school system is extra chaotic this year. Um, yeah. You know, my healthcare workers are just burnt out and they're still burning. That the is huge. Both ends. Mm-hmm. Uh, so for me, for me, I find the office professional has fear 
in their body. They're mm-hmm. still they're still looking for permission that it's okay that they have a flexible schedule and that they need a flexible schedule because we're still going through pandemic stuff. Um, the teachers are just dealing with high trauma. Yeah, all for the time, sure. To the point, like how much education is actually happening. Um, and then my mm-hmm. health care workers are burnt out. So I would, I think people are, I think what has shifted is it's okay not to be perfect and it's okay for things to be, yeah. uh, to have hiccups and it's okay to be a little disappointed that it wasn't perfect. Um, and to me, that's the start of giving ourselves yeah. permission because I, I had a discussion with one of my uh, Pilates mentors this week and um, she was saying, you know, it's not okay when you have to sleep in your exercise clothes to save those minutes to get up, to get your movement in, that's not an okay schedule. Yeah. My yeah, if it's to save size, time, I mean, that's not a right. schedule at all. Yeah. Right. You should be able to get into your PJs, get up, mm-hmm. get into your workout clothes, right? My spiritual yeah. healer says, if you end your work day and you're at home and you are exhausted and can't enjoy your couple hours in the evening that you're home, you worked too mm-hmm. much. If you yeah. wake up and you don't have this increased energy where you can attack the day, again, you are too overworked and you need mm-hmm. deep rest. Mm-hmm. So I think these are some markers for those of us that are a little older that have, you know, just had our head down doing the grind, trying to live the American dream. These are reminders for us of, you know, these are symptoms of, of high stress, of burnout type stress. And, you know, hopefully that'll give us the permission to make those adjustments. Yeah, I perfectly said, Kim, I absolutely agree with you. For our listeners, if you want to give us your feedback on how you manage stress, or maybe a little bit of feedback of how stressful things have been for you, you can find us all things Where the Lotus Grows, including an email info at wherethelotusgrows.com. We'd love to hear from you. We really appreciate you sharing um, this episode with us, like listening and being there for us, for us to share all of our tips and tricks through this really stressful time that we've, we've been through with you. So. See you soon. Thank you. Show notes and resources grow on our website, wherethelotusgrows.com. If you're wanting to engage with the topics we present in a deeper way, it's a great place to go for a more immersive experience and links to pertinent show information. You can also connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or subscribe on our website to get our weekly blog, personalized weekly mantra, and links to listen to the show. We're so grateful for all the reviews, recommendations, membership support, and suggestions that you provide us. As always, our member platform is at patreon.com backslash where the lotus grows. This is where you can go to donate to the show to help keep us going and get a few rewards for your support. Thank you, Courageitarians. We love having you as our Sangha. Until next week. Remember, though we are professionals in our field, the topics discussed and or advice given is general information and not intended as treatment or diagnosis. Please seek the guidance of a medical, integrative health, body work, or yoga therapy professional for full evaluation.